Welcome to The Milk Check, a podcast from T.C. Jacoby & Company, where we share market insights and analysis with dairy farmers in mind. Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Milk Check. This month, we recorded our monthly mass balance and charting meeting. It is a monthly meeting that we hold internally, where our whole trading team gets together. We look at the milk production and cold storage reports, and we look at some of the technical charts and we share our opinions about what we think this data is telling us and what we think this data is predicting about what will happen in the future. We had some really interesting discussions this month. I think you'll really enjoy eavesdropping into these discussions. It was a long meeting. It was an hour long, but it was a really good meeting. So what we've decided to do this month is split it into two parts. The second part is what we call our charting meeting led by Jacob Menji, our risk manager and trading strategy director, who talked about some of the technical charts and what they're telling us about our dairy markets and even other markets such as the interest rate markets. It was a great discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening in. So I'm going to start kind of outside of dairy and and move rapidly into dairy here. But there's kind of a common theme at ADPI and, and before. And a lot of it was, you know, surrounding the dairy farmer and kind of the tough headwinds they're facing here. You know, you've got rising interest rates, you've got rising input costs. And at first glance, you're going to say, hey, I'm a dairy farmer that maybe is getting close to retirement. Maybe now's the time to just get out. And again, at first glance, that passes the sniff test. The problem is there's interest rates and then there's real interest rates. And while interest rates have been rising, which is our little black line right here, as has inflation, which is our red line, real interest rates have been dropping. And I'll zoom back out a little bit more here. We have not been at these kinds of levels since the uh, inflation eras in the late 70s and early 80s. We are actually lower on real interest rate terms than we were back then. And so in these real interest rate environments, you tend to want to continue to invest. You know, if you're a business, that is telling you just keep pouring money into buying machines, right? In your economics textbooks, they always frame it as machines, you know, buy the machine to produce the output. And that output is making you more money than you are not making by just capitalizing on interest rates. Opportunity cost, pretty basic there. Those economics should apply to farms as well, right? You have a machine. It just happens to be a living, breathing machine called a cow. But you're facing kind of this classic economics example of real interest rates are telling us, invest in your machine to make your product. And a really good example of that right now is happening over in crude oil. So we have the crack spread here, and it's a, a traditional 3 to one crack spread where they're basically saying, if you buy three barrels of crude and turn it into two barrels of gasoline and one barrel of diesel, how much money are you making? And the answer is basically more money than ever before. <laughs> they are making tons of money. So even though their input costs have increased, like you've seen increases on corn, you know, you've seen increases in oil it's manifesting itself as crazy margins. And I am not at all suggesting that that is the case for every farmer everywhere. And I am not as ignorant as that. But big picture here, if you are uh, taking inputs and converting it to an output as a business, real interest rates are saying, keep doing that, increase your capacity, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this is kind of an interesting phenomenon. And again, I'm kind of outside dairy here. I'm, I'm showing oil, but I really do think you should have some faith in the numbers and it's saying there's no better place for your dollar versus investing and in increasing your capacity here. Hey, Jay. Yeah. 
Quick question. Is it possible that the data that they're using to create these graphs has a lag? And so you're not actually seeing the real prices and prices on, make higher? On the crack spread or on the interest rates? I think more of the interest rates probably is where I'd apply it. I mean, this one's really easy, right? It's showing the current inflation rate is just shy 8%, and it's showing the nominal interest rate is between one closer to two. I mean, we know that's right. Those numbers are really easy. And the way you get to negative real interest rates is just subtract your inflation less your, your nominal, and you wind up with your real interest rate, or vice versa. So no, I, I know these numbers are pretty much right. I won't say I vetted this all the way all the way back through here, but this looks how I'd expect it to look. We did go negative real rates. Something might be a, you know slightly off here because we did go negative real rates. I didn't think it happened until 2010. This looks shows it happening a little earlier, but anyways, I have pretty good faith in this data. That's also 2009. 2009 was a crazy year. Yeah. So yeah, that was just kind of my introduction here. There's one last thing I'll touch before we go to the kind of usual charts. And that is Ted mentioned recession. We had a lot of talk about recession and if we do get one, how it will impact markets. I think, yeah, recession is going to be probably the fastest way to take the edge off inflation and these red hot markets. The broader markets, so this is including equities, commodities, et cetera. Certain signals are discounting the chance of inflation. There are others. The classic one here is the yield curve. We went negative. We had a yield curve inversion back on April 1st. We have bounced way off of that. We basically retraced back to where we were a month ago. Now it's showing weakness again. It's volatile. That's really the takeaway from this year. It's volatile on these recession predictions, but that's something to look for. The market doesn't seem to think it's imminent, but when you talk to people out in the real world, some are maybe contending that, hey, we could be in it, and that absolutely could be true. Some are saying it won't happen for three years, so kind of mixed signals in the market there. Anything on that stuff before I go to the kind of more normal charts? Jacob, just a question. The first graph showing the negative real rates. Sure. Is that also a reflection of the market's view that the current inflation event is temporary, or am I trying to read too much into that? That is beyond the scope of what I would even hazard a guess at. Because you do have to remember that really half of the equation of the real interest rates is essentially dictated by the Fed. The, the market isn't even having any kind of opinion on that. Now, I'm going to give one example here. The market has an opinion on it in this sense. In Nigeria, in the 70s and 80s, the government of Nigeria basically set these interest rates, but the interest rates on the real world were completely disjointed from what the government's interest rates were. There was like this black market of interest rates. If you were to start seeing that, it's not going to happen in the US, I would say. But if you were to start seeing that, right, then yes, the market would be taking an opinion on this. I, do, I just don't know that the market really has any say in this outside of consumers and inflation and all of that. It was a dodgy answer, but that's best as I can give you, unfortunately. Okay. All right. I'm going to think about that for a while. All right. It also looks like it takes years to correct, right? Yes. Again, could the Fed wave its magic wand, you know, tomorrow and dramatically change what real interest rates are? Yeah. But this is typically a pretty slow moving thing and we can go back more here, you know, Back in the 40s, war tends to do funny things. So that was maybe a quicker correction. But otherwise, this is a slow moving beast. You know, I was on that uh, Hordes Dairyman live stream yesterday with 
Mike Brown and, and Ted Galloway and Andy Novakovic. And what was interesting was Dr. Novakovic mentioned that what we're experiencing today with regards to inflation was a lot more like what happened in the 1940s and early 50s than what happened in the 70s. And in looking at this graph, you can see it. Yeah, I agree with that statement completely. I haven't heard many people make the argument, but I agree with it. One other thing just regarding recession risk that I did forget to mention, we've seen equities kind of faltering lately. And I think that might be a leading reason that people are discussing, hey, are we in the middle of a recession right now? I personally think that's because the so-called Fed put is probably gone. You know, the Fed put is just people assume that equities start really going south. The Fed's going to step in to bail it out. I think the broader market has kind of accepted the fact that the Fed doesn't have many good tools left in its tool chest here to potentially bail the market out. And so that Fed put is gone. And so maybe there's some risk premium being taken off the market. And so maybe I just don't like equities faltering as an example of maybe we're in recession already. But that was my last point on that. Over to two dairy charts. Really, besides non-fat, I don't have much to comment on here. Biggest thing I'm going to show on class three is really the class three, class four spread. This is a weekly chart. So this is going back to 2019. We got pretty darn premium class four to class three, you know, three and a half bucks at the beginning of the year that has erased. We're pretty much dead even now. That was a pretty quick about face. And obviously that was thanks to class four coming off while class three is kind of hung in there. We'll touch on that again later, but that was interesting on the, the class three, class four side. Class three itself is hanging out near these highs. It hasn't broken its 10-day moving average pretty much since last November. So yeah, we've had a small pullback on cheese and thus class three lately, but it's hanging in there strong. I'll show the cheese chart, I guess. It looks a little bit different. It has basically hit this 240 level that it hit twice in 2020, hasn't broken it. So that seems to be some kind of good resistance number for now. We'll see if that gets broken. Over to butter, I really don't have any comment on butter. We've been hanging above the 250 line for long enough now that I probably think 250 is a very strong support level. There's nothing on the tea leaves to me that's telling us where it would go to if we do go up in price here. So not much of a comment on butter. We got whey here. Whey is probably the powders, whey and nonfat definitely are the two most interesting charts going on. We had a really strong breakout back in January to the upside, and that has completely reversed. We're hanging out at the 68 level that used to be resistance for sure. You know, we, we it served as really strong resistance back in April of 2021. Typically, the rule is when you break resistance, it becomes support. So I would argue that maybe we are forming some support here around the 67, 68 level. The problem is if this support is broken, there is just an air pocket of volume all the way down to 50. So pick a number anywhere in there and tell me that's going to be the new support. And I'll believe you because there's just really no indication that this has, has strong support anywhere between the 68 to 40 level, 48 level. So something to keep an eye on there. Non-fat, kind of the same tone with pullbacks and volume. So this is zoomed out pretty far. This goes back to May of 2021. We've come off our highs a bit, but we're on this support level of 174, 175. It looks pretty darn good to me. We had really good volume all the way between 173 and 185. Like with Way, the caution here is if we break this support, it's an air pocket. I mean, there is 
almost no volume between 173 and 161. It blasted through that on the way up. That typically means on the way down, it won't find much support. So something to keep an eye on, very similar to way. We're going to zoom out on non-fat just to put some perspective on this massive, massive run up. We got really extended away from this previous nice and steady upward trend line. Could I see us pulling back to this upper 160 level? I guess I need to draw it to so everyone knows what the heck I'm visualizing in my mind, but could I see a pullback somewhere to, you know, up in here? Maybe. Um, do I think that's guaranteed? No, not at all. And the reason is, we'll go back to the daily chart here. We're on this support. We are probably still supported by this 100-day moving average. This seems like a pretty sticky level to me. So anything else kind of on our basic commodities there before we hop over to the, the more exotic charts? Okay. I do want to show the non-fat versus weight chart. We were just talking about both of those. That has been whippy. So this is a month chart. So this goes back a long, long ways to 2012. What this chart is showing is the spread between non-fat and 2.5 times whey. It's just whey price times 2.5 versus non-fat. We, we, we were nearing the lows of this spread as early as February, and now we're nearing the highs of the spread. That was a heck of a move in a month. Non-fat basically held up a bit longer than whey was able to hold up. So we'll keep an eye on this. That's a big one-month candle there. Anything else on dairy? I'm going to hop over to ags and other commodities, if nothing else. Just a question where you had the real breakout in non-fat going back to above the trend line. There we go, which was going back to the end of last year, this year, right? Yep. That was more the rest of the world moving up ahead of us? Yes. Yes. I would say that is largely true. We kind of got dragged higher. There's one other thing. We're going to cheat and look at the dollar index here, but we were roughly here. So the dollar had appreciated a bit at the end of the year. That's good appreciation, but it didn't have this latest really big leg up. We moved from 96 and a half to a buck three, basically in the last two months. So the headwinds weren't there on the dollar strength back in November, December, January. So I think that made that move higher. On the other months. way to say that is the dollar has strengthened. Our market has, on protein at least, flattened, if not pulled back. Yes. I phrased it poorly, but the dollar is a headwind today. It wasn't a headwind as much back in that big rise higher yeah. back in December. Got it. Thank you. Okay, here's corn. So I did new crop corn and old crop soybeans just to kind of give perspective. This is a month chart. So we're pulled way back. This goes back to 2001. I just wanted to show everybody how meteoric this rise has been. It looked like we were stalling out for a time. And then early February, we start moving higher. And then the situation in Ukraine gave us a whole other leg up. So new crop at 751, that is a big, big number. We've seen this back in 2012, but again, this is just for such different reason this seems more sustainable i'll say that can you go back to the corn one second wanted to point out that when we reach those levels it hasn't lasted for too long and the correction has been pretty steep so that's something that could happen this time around maybe keep our eyes out soybeans same general feel we're pretty much at those highs Soybeans haven't been quite as impacted by ukraine and the only reason i say that is we made a high somewhat close to where we're at on beans back in May last year. And so the run-up on soybeans has just been a bit different. But uh, again, this is old crop beans. So just note that. 
I'm going to hop over. We did talk about this, this dollar index. This obviously is very important for what's been going on recently with our commodity prices. And I would stress, especially the international ones like the powders, this massive move higher in the dollar has not been helpful to our export prices. So that could explain a bit of the weakness lately. I think the last one really to talk about maybe is just commodities as a whole. I wanted to give perspective on this. So this is a commodity basket. This includes energies, metals, grains, you name it. Commodities have continued to largely move higher, but ags are much stronger than commodity baskets. It's notable because I talked to a lot of people that are still saying, oh, how strong commodities are. And, and again, we are following that trend higher, but I feel like a lot of people in our industry have maybe got latched on to what's going on in grains and dairy and et cetera, and maybe lost the big picture perspective here of, yeah, commodities have been, been having money flow into them. And it certainly looks better than equities, but not at the rate that we've seen in ags. That's not been across the board. That's really all I had. Any other requests here? Just since we've been looking at it most months, uh, lumber, what it looks like. Oh, I should not have neglected our favorite child here. Volatile, but not remarkable. Hey, Jake, that looks like an upside down W. What does that theoretically mean? Yeah, I mean, you would expect if it breaks out below this level, it has not done it yet. But if it breaks below this, call it 811 level, it would continue on its way lower. Okay. Don, Jake, thank you very much. I thought this was uh, really, really great this month. Thank you. We welcome your participation in the Milk Check. If you have comments to share or questions you want answered, send an email to podcast at jacoby.com. Our theme music is composed and performed by Phil Keggy. The Milk Check is a production of T.C. Jacoby & Company.